0: Welcome to the Handyman Pros Radio Show, home improvement and maintenance tips from the pros.
1: In this week's episode, it's the hot and the cold of it. Thanks for listening to another
0: edition of Handyman Pros Radio Show, where our goal is to help you save time, money, and aggravation. This edition is entitled, The Hot and the Cold of It. To help explain, I'm here with my ever-cheerful co-host and old buddy, John. John, what's been happening this week?
1: Hey, Larry, glad to be here this week. Well, a whole bunch, just getting ready for some uh, uh, fall here, and uh, we'll be talking here in just a bit about uh, maybe a little couple of tips on staining the deck, which I did. And uh, besides that, uh, trying to upgrade my computers from Windows 7 to Windows 10, which is a major pain. For me and um, <laughs> you 're not an i t guy come on oh, uh, I am sort of, but this is uh you know when you're your personal computers you know your own it's a, it 's a, it's a real pain let 's just leave it at that, so but you got to do it because they 're not going to support Windows seven after uh, January two thousand and twenty so That's what's been going on. That's what's been going on with me. But how about you? You just came back from a trip out west. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So we took a trip uh, out to the Mighty Five. We we have a goal of uh, my wife and I have a goal of going to the national parks. So we want to see all 62 national parks, which is going to be a it's a unique challenge because some of them are pretty far away. But uh, we just did. We flew into Salt Lake City. We did what's called the Mighty Five. It is Arches. It's Zion. Um, Capitol Reef, um, I don't know, I can't remember. But anyway, there's five, and then we also went to... Well, there is five. There's five. If you look it up as the Mighty Five, it'll come up. (laughs) Um, But pretty awesome trip. We also went to the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, went to Hoover Dam while we were out there. We flew into Salt Lake, went out of Las Vegas. Uh, It was really a great trip. Uh, It really is, being from the East and growing up in the East, it's, it's really a very, very different world when you go out West. I know all you people that live in the West go... Gosh, you get back east, it's so crowded, you know. So it's a very, very different perspective. But we had a great time. We really enjoyed it. I would suggest if anybody wants to go on that trip, you know, look it up. It's, it's really simple. There's a bunch of different things to go. I'll tell you one thing that happened, though, John. When I got home, uh, it was actually we left Las Vegas in the morning. It was, uh, was going to be 75 that day. We landed in Atlanta,
1: and it was a scant 98 degrees. It was That was a, that was a hot these, those those couple of weeks there, they must have been well four. I think we set some kind of record. But I was thinking about you when you came back because it was um, it was it was relentless. It was ninety seven, ninety eight. Oh, it was horrible in October. Right, and um, it was like it was never going to let up. And then the next day, seven. The whole the whole world changed. So.
0: But when we got back, so it's ninety eight degrees when we get back. We get into the house. And I go, we had turned the air, the air conditioning off, obviously, because we were, we were gone for about eight days. So we turned the air conditioning off, and lo and behold, I flipped that thing on, and nothing happened. So,
1: oh, those are fun times. <laughs>
0: fun times. So that brings us to our topic for today the hot and the cold of it. We're going to have a quick discussion about HVAC, or heating, ventilating, and air conditioning, right? So it was kind of kind of apropos actually that that happened. Uh, it was not a lot of fun. Long story short, the power had gone out, and we basically re- rebooted the system, and everything went back to working. But it gave me moments of uh, I-, I had a scare. I'm going to tell you when it's 98 and you're trying to sleep, it's not a not a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that, that's uh, that's for sure. So um, and just conversely, if you uh, when you come home and it's and it's cold out and the furnace doesn't work, same thing. Um, it's even more of a panic because at least you can take the heat. Correct. But if you live in if you're living in uh you know, Chicago or New York, um and or you some, come home, someplace in Minneapolis, you're that it's life or death if that thing's not working.
0: Life or death and a lot of broken pipes, right? And a lot of
1: broken pipes. A lot of so broken hopefully pipes. Hopefully you got a fireplace or something that uh, you know, you got you got you got a fallback <laughs> Yeah, you got a fallback system. Burn your so- furniture, couches.
0: So, (laughs) (laughs) well, some of them need to be, never mind. Uh, So, anyway, John, get... We we talk about heating, ventilation, air, and air conditioning, it's commonly known as known as HVAC. I wanted to do a real high-level discussion of exactly what does HVAC mean? What does it do? What if if you're if you you know you always hear it, right? HVAC, my HVAC system, but what is what are the components of that system? What does it do? What are the what are the functions of each of the components of the HVAC system? So I guess we want to start with what we should probably start
1: with. What does the HVAC system do? As a broad overview, John. So it is. It's um, you know I think to characterize it, it's one of the it's one of the big major components of the of the home. Correct. Electrical, plumbing, heating, ventilation uh, heating, heating, and and, uh, and and air conditioning. But the major components of of that is really that the idea there is is to condition the air, whether it's. Uh, you're adding trying heat to, to you're it' trying to add heat to it, or, or you're trying to take heat out of of your uh, heat out of your house, so there's these, the components in there as you 've got a compressor and all these things that we can talk about later. But for the air conditioning it 's taking heat out taking to, a, heat to out. a recirculation system uh, using a refrigerant Right. and then conversely, you're using a furnace or a heat pump to put here in exactly put when it's heat cold, back in back into the home so it so the what what's one of the biggest
0: jobs that the HVAC system does right so it goes it lends itself to the v right the ventilation what is its main what it, what does it do the most of what's its biggest job to keep job? you comfortable it does that but how, circling, how does it do that
1: it's 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 recirculating air throughout the home like we just had described, right. whether it's whether it's a, it's a, it's taking the heat out uh, during the hot hot weather, or it's adding adding heat during uh, during cooler during
0: weather. cooler weather. So what it what it does is it moves air. It's and, moving air, and it moves air all through your house. And so some of the components that you see in your house, when if you don't know what they, I mean, you know what they are, right? But if you don't understand why they're there, sometimes it's helpful. So we talk about register vents, right, John? And right. register vents. How do you tell the difference? So there's a register vent. There's a return air vent.
1: Tell people the difference. What's the difference? Well, you'll you'll notice your register vents, and, and that's a uh, you know that's really a supply. A lot of people get. Um, Confused with that? Um, supply air is the conditioned air that's coming into the into the room.
0: Right. The hot or cold air.
1: Right. Yep. And the return air is what's leaving the room back into the system. Right. So that's so usually it, usually the registers are are smaller. There'll be smaller um, metal components or wood components on the floor. You'll see them. You know where the air is coming out in the and can the return, be in the ceilings or too. in the ceilings. Yep. Can be in the ceilings and, too. And uh, some of the, uh, the the return then will be. A lot bigger, a lot bigger uh, vents. They'll they'll be typically like eighteen, twenty inches wide, and and that's uh... and that's going to be pulling the pulling the air out. So that so it brings up a, a different question, or or a, a different
0: concern, I guess. That your your HVAC system in your house is a what would we call it? A semi closed system. It's pretty much the air tries to stay within the house, right? Would
1: would that be a correct statement? Right. Right, and, until you open the windows or doors. Correct. And there and, and we have so then you introduce heat
0: back and in and then you introduce heat or cold back in depending on the season. But it but in general your HVAC system tries to be a closed system, meaning it, it takes the same air and recirculates it through the house. Right. in general, uh, until, right. you, until you open a window right. or a door, or right. you
1: have windows that leak or any n- number of other things. And we'll, right. and we'll, we'll do whole shows it, on, on that. And hence our filter show, because you need a filter in there, as you can, as you can tell, that you know if you're moving air around, you've got to clean it.
0: You've got to keep it clean, or you should keep it clean. <clears throat> you want so, to keep it clean, right. I guess is what we really want to say. So, uh, so looking at the difference between a return air vent and a, and a, um, and a register vent, What's the easiest way to identify the difference besides size? It's also the fact that most you of the register vents yeah, yeah, you
1: can adjust the register a register vent.
0: Yeah, so it's got a it's got a mechanism that you can open or close it, is that correct? Right. Okay. Right. And that and the air, the return air vents are generally mounted in the wall. Right. You can't have register vents mounted in the wall. It's pretty rare.
1: Most of them are in the floor well, or the, the ceiling, but it, it, it depends, you know, cooler air is denser. Um, it'll it'll fall. Right. So you a lot of times they'll have them up higher, you know, in a, in a hot environment.
0: But usually almost, I, I've never seen an actual cold air return except in a very, very old house like a 50s model where the return vent is actually in the floor. Most of the time they're in the walls. Would did you agree with that? Yes. Most yes. of the time. Yes. In, yes. in we're going to yes. call them in new houses. Yep. Um, that's, that's the way they are. So, so And they're usually quite large as, yes. a, as a general rule. So they're large and they have no ability to open or close them. Right. So that's the way that you tell the difference between a register vent and a cold air vent. I mean a return vent and a register vent. So what's the significance of the register? Just for example, what are things about the return
1: air vent that you should not do? Well, one of the things one of the things is that you 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 don't want to inhibit the flow of air through the systems. People that are not familiar with these things, what they'll do is they'll jam a couch up against the register or the, um, Cold air the return, the, the return, yeah, or return um, vent, you know, or even over a register vent, but you do not want to dr- uh, block the airflow going through these components and people will do that. And, uh, you know, that has consequences on the system.
0: Right. It actually will, it, in the system of air conditioning, it raises pressures and we can go real deep into that. We're not going to, but it'll, it can actually shorten the life of your system. Is that a correct statement?
1: Uh, absolutely, it can. It'll it'll make it freeze up if uh, you know you anywhere along the, the the line of of airflow, whether it's a a clogged filter or somebody's got a couch up against the a register uh, vent where you're inhibiting the flow. Pressures are going to change, uh, boiling points, and all those kind of things blah, are going to change blah. for yeah. the the refrigerant. That's gonna that's gonna create ice, and once it hits thirty two degrees. Ice, turns ice, ice. ice and yep. it keeps going 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 and now you got you have an issue and you know not to get too technical but you can you can absolutely Shorten ruin, the ruin ruin the ruin yeah. the compressor yeah. with liquid, and, with liquid in the compressor
0: and the flip side of that is when you go to the furnace side or you go to the hot the hot side and you go to hot if it doesn't get enough airflow, it will actually shut it off. It so, will shut it off. So this, you know. this is the other side. This is the part that we have yet to discuss. But when the air flows, we, we were walking through the return air. The air, because it's, it basically runs in a big circle through the house. Is that correct? I mean, um, we,
1: Well, you can look at it that way. Yeah. It's a good way to look at it.
0: So as the air runs through, what happens is how, how the heating and cooling works, and people often say, well, I don't understand how it works. What it is there's a heat exchanger in there, is it correct? there's some kind of a way the air
1: flows through it and it and it either adds heat to it or takes that, heat out of it that, that's that's right and the easiest way to think about it with um that I always used to think about an air conditioner how it how it works is if you've you know and now i just I was just goofing around with my computers, so you know for all all you out there goofed around with your computers, you might have a can of that compressed air. That you blow the dust out of your computer with. And right. you know how cold that thing gets when you when you turn it on. Right. And it starts to blow out. Right. That's the exact same principle that happens when the pressure lowers and that's the refrigerant or that air inside there changes state. It's going to now pull heat into that can, which is gonna it's because it's very it gets very cold. Right. And basically what that's exactly what's happened. So what you get the pleasure of doing with an AC unit is you know all that air that's coming out you get to compress that air you get to pay to compress that air again <laughs> and put that air back into that can right and that's and the it compressor. has to be metered and it has there's all kinds right. of things that go on but that's basically what happens so if you think about when you take that can and you start blowing it out and it gets real cold and you blow air across that can on the other side is going to be cool it's going to be cool air and it's but what's happening in the can the heat is going into the can. Heat's got, like, you think of it like little things out there that have legs. And yeah, we looking, don't wanna, we're not going to get but it into the physics always looking, of it. They're always looking to get in somewhere, right. and that's what happens. But so, anyways, that's the same thing. But So, it's a, so there is a, an exchanger there, and that's basically what you're leading up to. And the can is kind of like the exchanger. Same thing if you got that can hot and you blew air across it, then you have the furnace effect, you know, where you're blowing hot air across it. Correct. So, basically, there's that heat exchange
0: happens, and so the air coming in is either hotter or colder. It exits that heat exchanger either the opposite of what it came in. So, if it comes in hot, it goes out cold. If it comes in cold, the furnace is on or the the heat pump's on, it comes out hot and goes back out into your house, correct? Uh, right. Yep. So to keep it simple, that's how that works. When you stop the flow of air by, say, putting a couch in front of the return air, it stops the, the it, how do we want to say, it doesn't stop it, but it makes it less efficient. It, it's all about airflow. It's kind of like driving down the road, whether you're driving in a great big box truck or you're driving in a very slick sports car right the sl- the slick sports car sl- slides through the air but in your hvac system if you put things in the way it's like putting a truck out there on the road you're just pushing a lot of air you're having it's making it work harder to pull the air into the system so the first tip the first actionable tip is check your
1: returns make sure they're not blocked would you would we go with that one right <clears throat> that's absolutely right and i you know i i'm i'm, I'm kind of uh, have done that myself Actually, I've put a desk in front of a return. I didn't even know the return was there. and, and Easy to um, overlook. It, it, that's the point. Easy to overlook. Yeah, and I didn't, even, I didn't even know it, you know, until I was like, hmm, I wonder what that is behind <laughs> you. Know. So, anyways. So, uh, so all right, so, back, so now on the
0: outside, the registers, right? So, let's say that you have um, in your house, you have a, let's just say it's summertime, you have a cold spot and you go and shut the register off in that room, right? So you actually turn your registers off and you basically push more cold air into other rooms. Is that correct? Well, that would be the
1: <clears throat> that would be the first thought that everybody will have, right? Is that 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 will happen. And it does happen. It mm-hmm. will happen. Okay? Because you're you're directing the flow back. Now, I've got I've got friends that that want to turn off all the all the air to every room. It, you know, if they have a big house, they'll turn off all their registers except for a room. Bad mistake. You know, it's a big big mistake. Bad idea.
0: Gets back to not Gets enough airflow. That's right? right.
1: And if you don't have enough airflow, you can you can freeze up that air conditioner or you know same, really or goof up the furnace.
0: Same thing. It's same all about thing. airflow.
1: It's all about so keeping well, the air it, it's, If you think you're trying to make it more efficient that way, you're not.
0: Not always. You can so, shut them you, you can, can shut, shut them, them off. off. One or two of them off.
1: Yeah, absolutely, you can. And you, and you can turn them down, no problem. Yep. Just be aware that if you start to go crazy and think that you're going to turn your whole house off except for just one room, um, that's, that's, a, that's not a good idea. It's called buy a window unit. Buy a, win- <laughs> a window shaker. Well,
0: put up, put up, put up, <laughs> you know, do it one place. So that is, in a nutshell, is the basics of
1: HVAC. Have we missed anything? We can talk about it later, so a little bit more, you know, in depth of what it is. But, you know, that's, that's really that's really about, uh, that's, that's really the nuts and bolts of, of, of really what, what it is. And what, what you really, you know, what we're trying to convey here is what you need to be looking out for to make your system efficient, keep it clean, don't block your, your registers, don't block your returns, th- those type of tips. So one other question. Mm-hmm. So I
0: came back and I flipped my thermostat. I knocked it down colder, nothing happened. What's a thermostat?
1: Yeah. So everybody's pretty familiar with what's hanging on their wall. And that really controls the, you know, when, when a furnace or an air air conditioner comes on and off. It's basically a switch, right? It is a switch and it's it's a a sense. It's just sensitive to the temperature and that allows the user to set the temperature. And then it, it acts accordingly to that temperature, whether it goes on, goes off, right? And um, you know for how long, and all the new ones, and the you know uh, Bluetooth and this, or the you know Wi-Fi and all that kind of stuff. But that is basically what it is. It's a it's a switch. It's a temperature sensitive switch. That's what it is.
0: So and and past that, yeah. Then there's a million options. But if you go back to the old days, right? You know, and unfortunately, you and I are old enough. The old round
1: ones that sit on the wall yeah the old manual ones with the uh, with the mercury in it and um it you know, was they, just as it a tube that had a, yep. had a had a um had a little bimetal thing in there that you know it would it would tilt and when it went over the mercury would hit the switch hit the switch and and on then that thing would just you know kind of contract again or it expand it was a, it was quite clever no more mercury.
0: But no more mercury. No well, they,
1: they then went to metal, to actual
0: metal mm-hmm. um, for the, those old round, you know, temperature the sensitive metals. Ones. But anyway, the the reason that I say that is, is that the modern, even a modern nest and things like that, work on the same principles. So exactly. they're they're temperature sensitive, and now they're just interconnected. And same thing with the programmable ones. So they put a small computer in there, and they say, you know, they put a calendar in there, and they say, you know, the day of the week, and you can change the right. temperatures per time, and same thing. Right. But at the end of the day, all it does is sense the temperature that's outside of the thermostat it either tells it to go on or go off that's right and in that it also tells there's a blower motor in the hvac system that actually turns the the Mm -hmm. fan on there's a great big fan in your hvac system that moves all that air Mm -hmm. and that's All it is. So that's your thermostat. Um, And how it's connected to you is is it's either on the wall or it's, it's, you know, you can connect a Nest or some of the newer ones off to your your phone and you've got an interconnected system you can change it Mm -hmm. from afar. But long story short, just a temperature-sensitive thing. Now, in my case, what happened at my house is we had the power actually went off, and I think that my computer program in my thermostat actually just got discombobulated. I flipped the thing off, waited Mm -hmm. 10 seconds, flipped Mm -hmm. it back on, everything went back to functioning the way it was so simple simple fix but you have to know what the component parts are you have right. to understand what's going on right
1: and right I, you know in, in the la- and the other thing about thermostats is you know most of them these days have batteries in them yes so it, you know we're coming up to fall it's a good time for everybody to just walk past your thermostat and they'll usually have you know if the batteries are low it'll have a little battery thing flashing, flashing. Yep. okay it's not it's, you've got to really look at it. It's you very know, especially, small. Especially most of for them, us yes. older people. you really <laughs> got to take a look at it. Oh, <laughs> my eye. So if, it, if, if, that, if the batteries are bad in that thing, it's not going to work. So just be prepared that if your system is not working, it's not coming on. It could be the batteries. Yeah, something check your batteries. Simple, Occam's Razor. Occam's check, Razor. Check, check that simplest thing first, and yep. usually it's the batteries in that thermostat but it's not a bad idea, you know, to change those things every once a year, you know, along with uh, your your smoke detectors and things.
0: Yep. And if you're and just as another quick tip, if you're looking for the for what kind of batteries it takes, take the name there'll be a name on your thermostat. Mine happens to be a White Rogers. You type that into Google, you get it'll show you every single flipping white Roger thing there is and all the specs are there so it'll tell you what batteries it takes and that kind of thing. So you don't have to go to the store to look because some of these use watch batteries, some use double A's, some use all kinds of different batteries. So I suggest you just Google it, get the actual type of battery, go get it. Anything else we need to know about HVAC, John?
1: Uh, not right now. I think, you know, like I said, I think the, the idea here behind this discussion was just, you know, what, what to look for and to make your system uh, as efficient as possible for, uh, you know, the ter- turn of the uh, the seasons. Sounds like a winner. From the email bag at questions
0: at handymanprosradioshow.com, dot com, we received an email from Stacy. Stacy was asking about staining a deck. She wanted to know what kind of stain should she use,
1: what tools does she need, what what are some of the concerns? John, didn't you just uh, stain your deck? I did, I did, and that's what we kind of talked about earlier. Is that uh, I just got done doing that, but. I will tell you that you know it was. It's easy. It's easy for me now to to stay my deck. Just open it up that way because I've you know I just kind of recoat it. But what um, what I recommend doing <clears throat> is uh, finding somebody, if it's not yourself, to lightly, and I mean lightly, pressure wash your deck. Don't have somebody that's you know that's gonna blast it <laughs> because you can really ruin the cellulose in the wood. I use a surface cleaner that uh, that's not. Uh, when I talk about blasting, I mean, you can really, you can really, you can, blast cut, up. You can cut, you can wood. cut stuff with a, so you need, you, you need to kind of turn it down, but it loosens up all the, all the old stuff yeah. and a lot of, a lot of true deck people, uh, frown on pressure washing because of that, because you can really, uh, really dig away at the cellulose in there. But I will say it depends upon, you know, new deck or old deck, okay. Right. right. Or old wood. If you're gonna stain, if you're gonna stain a deck, make sure that it's that the wood is kind of let's say broken in, because that new pressure treated wood is green and it's really wet, it's and wet. you really want to let that dry out because you want thirsty wood really right, right. to suck in to suck in stain. So at the beginning when you're doing it, it's 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 nice to it's nice to put on a on a clear clearer stain or something like that where it can show the wood you know however you want. But anyways, getting back to, you know, it, it's all about prepping the prepping the deck, too. Correct. Because if you don't prep it right, the stain's not going to stick. I think it also goes back to some of the conversation we had about painting. Good tools and good materials. Right. Yep. I've had really good luck with a specialized, you know, paint store uh, stain. And that stuff lasts for, uh, you know, a long time and it beats and the sun beats down you know we get Correct. we get yep. some we get some snow here occasionally but well, what we know, really get in north atlanta is a lot a of lot, sun a lot of sun eating away at it but i it's that stuff will last almost three years just getting beat up you know i got dogs running on it. Right. i got all right. kind you know furniture being moved around on it and everything so let me recap real quick is that you know i would pressure wash it leave it for a day Get all the old stuff loosened up and then let it dry out. Make sure that that wood is, you know, what I would term as thirsty wood. Um, You know, it's really, that stain can really get in there. And what I've used, and I'm not talking about painting lattice or anything like that. On the deck boards, I've used a staining pad on a pole. That I've used for years now and I can whip through this job in no time. Two hours and I'm done with, with staining my deck.
0: So a staining pad's available at big box stores? And the big box stores, yeah. they're
1: like, they come in like 7, 9, and 12 inches. You know, you just pour that that stain out into a painting pan, you know, uh, or like a roller pan, and then you just go at it. And, at and it. there's no, you know, when you're painting it, when you're putting it on, it's uh, with the pad, it's not splashing up like you were, like when I, <laughs> I've rolled my deck before, you know, and the roller's slinging, it's like, slinging slingin yeah, it slingin everywhere. Stain. Yep. Um, I've stained it with, you know, a sprayer before. And if you're going to redo your lattice or th- something like that, then s- spraying, it makes sense. Yep. But Easy for rails. the boards and things like that, you can get out of there without making a big mess.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's a, you know, that's a couple of tips I've so, had really good luck with it.
0: So another question on prep. Yeah. So I have taken in times, and depending on how dirty the deck is and things like that, I've taken a hose and a really stiff brush. Yeah. And that works if you don't have access to a pressure washer. Absolutely it does. Works really,
1: really I mean, that's well. that's a good point. And yeah. a
0: really stiff brush, when we say that, I mean, like there's brushes for concrete, they're really stiff. They have sharp bristles, they're very, very stiff. Correct. Um, about I don't know, same thing, five to ten dollars at the big right. box store, you put it on the end of your handle and, and you literally just scrub
1: it. It'll take it takes off an amazing amount of stuff. I, I will also I will yeah, and that's a good point because you know when I was thinking of pressure washer, of course I'm thinking that I've got one so it's not that you know big a deal. But for those that don't, there are chemicals out there just to, to, to clean the deck. To clean the deck. And I'll tell you the other thing that's uh you know, use some outdoor bleach and that's and that's amazing what the deck will look like after you apply that. Yeah, mix and, it according
0: to what the instructions and, and are on. You the, spray on that the out there
1: and it will it will clean clean your deck up and you'll really get a good eyeball on what's going on with the old material that's been applied to the deck. Right. Perfect. All right, anything else we need to know? Nope. I you know, I I think it's a it's a great project. It shouldn't take you uh too much time and boy, it really uh really helps. So, good luck with that. All right.
0: Well, we hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Handyman Pros Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this podcast and have derived some value from it, here's four things you can do. One, tell your friends about this podcast. Two, hit subscribe on your podcast player. While you're there, leave a review. Feedback is so helpful. Three, subscribe to our newsletter by going to handymanprosradioshow.com and click on the subscribe button. We'll inform you of upcoming events, shows, and give you actionable tips for maintaining your home and property. Four, send us an email with your questions to questions at handymanprosradioshow.com. That's handymanprosradioshow.com. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on the Handyman Pros Radio Show.